square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand the priest brought the law before the assembly, sorry, both before men and women who could understand what they heard. On the first day of the seventh month, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseiah on the right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Makiljah, Hasham, Hashbah, Danai, Zechariah, and Meshulam on the right hand, left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatbetha, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat and fat, eat the fat and drink sweet wine. And send portions to anyone who has nothing. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And as we continue uh, this sermon series um, that I've renamed Old Sermons Sermon Series. Um, I think this one's from 2006. Um, Charles, good job reading the word with those names. It's Hodiah, though, okay? Um, <laughs> At the last minute, he was like, Pastor Brown, you want me to read the word and I can pray and you can pray? I'm like, yeah. No, sucker. No, um, intern. No, um, 
Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for this celebration of joy as we sung, Lord. Uh, Just the way you've called us and enabled us to declare good news as we declare the name and work of Jesus Christ sent as a baby to save us. Lord, I pray right now for this season we're about to enter. Lord, it's easy to be depressed in our anticipation of what and how things should be. Lord, without your redeeming help, we're hopeless. Help us to look to you when we have. Help us to look to you when we have not. We want a lot of things. We want to give our kids a lot of things. Lord, there's a lot of things we won't get. Physical things, emotional. Help us, Jesus, to fall on you and look to you this Christmas time. We need you for joy and peace and celebration. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue our, again, old sermon, sermon series. We're going to discuss and consider what I would describe as a standard for the holiday season. A standard. The party. The party. Which between now and New Year's Day will saturate your calendars with all sorts of them. Office parties, neighborhood parties, home parties. What, what, what's that celebration Odette does across the street every year with the pork and the plantains and the dress leches cake, the king's thing, the three kings party? Anyway, without a doubt, the holiday season is a time to party, to come together, to be together, to be a party, to drink and eat and dance and and sing it up, to live life real loud together, and some parties to mark and, and make history, to put a punctuation point on an event, a happening, a story. In our new members class, you will hear that part of being a member of this church is that you must be ready to party. That we as a church are committed to celebrate. It is our goal to to enjoy each other as much as we can with as much as we can. The party, when it comes to God's people, should and, and could set off at any moment. Sometimes we accidentally bump into a party when we are together. Because more than any other institution or any other group of people, the church and its people have every reason to live life out loud together as much as they can. The party is central to our covenantal agreement with God, right? Christians should be known as those folks that know how to have a good time, how to express their joy, how to worship, 
how to come together and sing, how to come together and lift it up so that the party is not just an icon of the holiday season, but an establishment of God's holy happenings among his people. Words like joy this morning, words like peace this morning, a celebration, a party. In this book of Nehemiah that we read from this morning, we see God calling for his people to party for a week. They have been exiled, separated from their country and their identity for 50 to 100 years now, stolen away from their land, robbed of their native tongue and culture by the Babylonians. And and let me also be fair here and say that the Israelites, between about 700 and 586 B.C., began to sell themselves out to the bigger countries, to worshiping their gods and eating their food. They, they wanted to be like the dominant culture and, and played themselves right out of their sense of worth and put their God up for sale as well. Well, the Babylonians liked a good deal on cheap real estate and in gentrifying fashion took up the sale and redistribution of people giving them the ancient version, if you will, of Section 8 vouchers away from where they grew up. Now God's people might have sold themselves out and and, and, and and sold themselves short and even made a commodity for the superpowers. But contrary to popular belief, God himself was not for sale and not for resettling. Long story made short. God took out Babylonian leadership, and when the Persians were given control by God, it was time for a change. And after almost a century of being alienated and and overlooked and used, God had brought them home. This this reading before you was like a 100,000-person homecoming, a a family reunion where even the mad part of the family was willing to come. We we, we couldn't put chapter 7 in this reading, but it lists the family names and and numbers of people coming, and and then there's a planning list of of paying the family reunion dues for the occasion, and who was going to bring the chicken, and and who was going to bring the music, and and who was going to bring that big box of gaudy, bright colored shirts with the family name on it. This is all your cousins and them coming. An ethnic style. This right here was a service at the home church. I don't know how y'all do your family reunions. We always end up at the home church. No matter how much you hung out Saturday night, on Sunday morning, it was time to worship. And Ezra opens the book of the law. This was more than faith, if you will, some ethereal faith. This was their heritage. This was their story with God. And the Bible tells us that the people began to weep as they reflected on, on how far they have stra- had strayed. But God had a different call on them that day and that week. Look with me at verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood, understood the words that were declared to them. It was a holiday. We've talked about this before. Holiday means, just like it says, holy day. It was a day. It was a season to rejoice because they were home now. God having called them out of exile is now calling them out of, out of distance from him, out of their weeping, out of their degradation and alienation to party, to first come together, to second to open up their senses, and finally to be about the story. Assembly, senses, story. God is calling us to come together in one place during this holiday season, especially to, to treat it just like that, like these Israelites were called to, to a holy day, a, a holy season, to be together, to experience each other together and him together. Because you know that you can't, contrary to what you think you might be doing or having, you can't have a one-person party. That ain't a party. That's apartheid. And God is calling us to connect with each other, to be reconciled to each other. Look with me at verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man in the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra brought the priests. Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seven month. In this chapter, clans and tribes of people are seeing each other after years of being separated. That they can know each other and themselves better as they see themselves and they be themselves, if you will, together. You know, there are two types of people at a party that make the connection happen, right? And we are both to some degree, those who come to be seen and those who come to see, right? You got the people that wrote, what's up, y'all? Want to come to be seen. And you got the others who come to see, where's so-and-so? What's up? How's everybody doing, right? To be known and know is a better way of saying it. God calls us to be found and found out, to find and find out other people. The party teaches us something about what it means and meant then to be God's people. You should not and cannot live life alone. You cannot enjoy life alone. You can't get all you should out of this life alone. You shouldn't eat alone or, or, or drink alone or be happy or sad alone or, or deal with your story alone. You've got to share all that life gives and takes with someone or someone else's. When you dance or drink alone or hold conversations with yourself, after a while that stuff starts to mean what? Dysfunction. All sorts of isms when you're talking to yourself that cut off healthy joy happening inside of you when you try to tackle or hug life alone. You and I are only getting half of life. A less than full, a, a depressed life in view of ourselves. And, 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 and if we're alone, you know, think about this exile of separation of these Israelites. This was not good. Separation was not good. Loneliness was not good. It was a result of sin and oppression. 
God's joy, and thus your and my joy, is not full alone. And it's just, and it's just dysfunctional, and, excuse me, and just as dysfunctional as it is to drink. Sorry, Billy Idol, you can't dance with yourself. God is saying something else in the party here. You and I can't know and enjoy him, God alone. It does not happen. At the very least, you can't know him like you can or should by yourself. Look at verse 7 and 8 with me. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to read verse 7. <laughs> yeah, I am. I would say, also, all those people with the crazy names, end of verse 7, help the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. Then verse 8, they read from the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. The event and person and experience of God is too big for you to do on your own. You can't get the sense of who God is and his blessings alone. Y'all ever watch that show, Man Vs. Food? Don't watch that thing if you're hungry. You'll eat half your fridge. This guy goes and he goes to these food places and he always takes this, this big food challenge. Can he eat 30 oysters in a certain amount of time? Or can he eat 100 hot wings, like super hot wings? And so he sits down, Man versus Food. I remember watching one of these shows, and the Bigfoot sandwich was on the show. It is an eight-pound burger. Thing looked like a pizza, like a meat pizza, right? Like just, it was like this big, and the piece of beef was like this thick. It looked weird. Um, And I watched this man. Try to eat the Bigfoot sandwich alone. And I thought to myself, that ain't right. There's something wrong about that. Something sinful about that. You know, my wife is great at making these comments. That ain't right. She'll just walk by. That ain't right. And then she'll say, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that man stuff himself, you know, with an eight pound burger. You can't even enjoy it. I can imagine eating an eight-pound burger after the first three-quarter pounds. You're not even enjoying it. But if eight, you know what they say, most people order the the eight-pound burger, eight to ten or twelve people eat it together. That's right. I hear it all the time. I have no joy in God right now. My spiritual life is dry and stale and old. The Bible is too too much, too complicated. Because you've tried to eat the God burger alone. Let me tell you something about God. He is burdensome when taken alone. You can't handle God alone. 
you can't handle what he has to say and what he has to offer and what he has to give alone. It's like trying to eat the Bigfoot burger. It does not make sense. But the joy of him is communicated. It is properly tasted. It's felt like it should when you connect. And it makes sense of your experience with others. Some people come to worship and say, worship is so bland. And it doesn't make sense. And I can't understand why folk are hand-raising and and why that person is crying. Partly because you don't know anyone. You don't know their story. If you don't have a reason to party, somebody else does. If you have missed wrongly why you should be happy and joyous about God, community has people who with you give you a reason and a sense. If you did not come in with one, look around, get around these place and these people, and God delivers through the stories and party and worship. Look at what he tells the people to do in verse 10. He says, to make food for those who don't have it. Sometimes you don't and can't have what you need to have to find joy and peace alone. Let me tell you something. This is the time to take to others what they don't have. Time to share your story. And, you know, we can talk about sharing stories and what the Lord done for you. Sometimes you just need to take some chicken, some uh, cookies, something, some, some kind of fruit over to somebody else's house. Just the call to the party. And what kind of party is it if there aren't any substances, right? Uh-oh, here we go. Stuff to call and heighten the senses to joy, to to the event, to wake up the body, to the reality that something big and good is going on. Look again at verse 10. What does it say? Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who who has nothing to ready for this day is holy. In verse 12, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions to make great rejoicing. Let's, the, the best food, he's saying, to, the best wine to, to, to a house somewhere, right? God is calling his people to use substances for their joy and his sense of party. Let's be honest, y'all. What's a party without something going in the mouth, in the eyes, in the ears, the nose, or in the hands? Now, don't go sorted on me. Y'all keep it clean. But I'm saying that God wants us to use his creation in a heightened sense to bring our senses, our bodies, our physical reality in line, an equal level to what he's doing and has done in our hearts. To party is all about the substance too, the senses too. I went to college in the 90s, y'all. So when I talk about what it was like to party, just go back with me a little bit, some of y'all. High top fades. The black leather Africa medallion. In college, the party was happening when what? When It Takes Two with Rob Bass starts blasting. Even if it was a small dorm room. Man, that was the best kind of party. Somebody turned their speakers out into the hall. What? When the bass is bumping and people woo-hooing, some of you, 
Or what turns out to be a more unfortunate situation in college settings, what we used to do before I grew up and knew better, we do a little PJ. Y'all don't know about that. Put a little grain alcohol, okay, a lot. Some Everclear in, in with some grape, a red punch, cut some fruit up, let it sit for 24 plus hours in a 30 gallon trash can. Voila, party juice. And folk would be attracted by the sound of the boom boom of Rhythm Nation or smooth sounds of SWV or the hard hitting thump of PE's Fight the Power. 1989, another summer, get down. Y'all get it, or maybe not. And then people would bring their sip bottles. Y'all don't know about the sip bottles and the little straw that go all the way down and everybody had a sip bottle and, and they would dip it in that 30-gallon thing, unsanitary now, but it was a party, nobody cared. But the census said and came in line with what was going on. We were elevated physically to wear our joy on this Friday night. No class tomorrow or Saturday night, you know. We, we just won the game. We were elevated physically to the reality of what was going on. God is all about the party juice. Because God is calling his people in the party to not let the senses be out of line with what is truly, really spiritually so in church, we do music, and we do it up and well, and sometimes louder than normal or more emotional than normal or quieter than normal. We, we put our hands in the air and wave them like we just don't care. But like God does care for us, and we are ordered to have Lord's Supper and, and baptism, sensible reminders, sensible aligners of our bodies and minds with what God is doing in our souls. When these folk ate that food and drank that wine, they praised God with their mouths and drank the wine. It was loud and clear what God was doing in them and to them and promised to do in them and through them. God is promising in the senses, to keep them and love them and be good to them as good or better than the food and the music and drink they enjoy. Aside here, that's why drunkenness and gluttony is wrong. God is not about destroying or confusing or disillusioning our souls, but elevating us out of dark and depression of sin in a sinful world to, to seeing and believing and opening our eyes and ears and our bodies to experience his grace and his love and his truth. So at Christ Central Church, we worship or party with everything, right? When we come around, we have desserts and food and we have beverages of all sorts and we have music and we have buzzing conversation, hopefully. We do it big at Christmas, you know, at church during Christmas time, like last week, because what? God's joy is in our hearts and thus in our bodies. So strike up the band. Play it well. Play it loud. Play it right. Met with Amanda this week who's does our uh, music ministry here, and we were worried about time. And we, I, I asked Amanda, what song can we cut? And she says, there ain't no songs to cut. It's Christmas. It's sensory overload on purpose. And so let's sing and move our bodies and lift our hands. Let us vibrate with the bass and the feet stomping and, and the voices. Let us smell the colognes and perfumes and even smoke on the person next to us. Let us look at the multicolored faces and shapes confettied around us. Let us see how and who God is calling and let it elevate us to worship him. It's time to party as if it were true that we got joy in our hearts. You know, 
you got to give me a reason to part. I need a reason to come together. I need a reason to worship. You know how at parties there's always the reminder? Things could be going, music could be loud, and then someone knocks the glass, ding, 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 ding. Or they turn down the music, man, what's going on? Someone holds their hands up and everybody, shh, shh, somebody got something to say. At New Year's, it's the countdown. But at every party, if it is a party, there must be a story, a historical reason to mark or make history ourselves with this event. Something or someone must drive us to the next level, the story, right? The the party plot, if you will, a birthday, a marriage, a new year, a new president, a newborn, or a historic event that changed things forever. Juneteenth or or the 4th of July, a homecoming or homegoing, a move that changes things or changes things forever. Something worth remembering, something you are glad to forget and move away from even. Look at verse 1 through 3 with me. And all the people gathered as one man in the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people who were attentive to the book of the law. And then, again, verse 9 through 11, we've read. But look at verse 5 through 6. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen! Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. These Israelites responded with amen and celebration and even some crying at the gathering because of the central story or reason for the celebration because there was something to remember about God's goodness and it was his goodness and mercy that would at this time take away all that they had that they wanted to forget so that they could look forward to a new way of living away from exile and sin and at home with the Lord and and their redeemed sense of worth and destiny and destination. They were leaving a past life and returning to a new life. Get it? Simply put, it was time to party to, as they say here, wipe the tears and replace them with joy. They lived like an oppressed people without a history, without hope, Many had had given themselves over to all sorts of gods and kings and and false hopes and dreams that should have made the God that called them his people ashamed. It should have made God turn his back on them forever. But the book of the law that Ezra opened, the story of God, was a story of rescue and redemption and was restated, and it reunited them. They connected to a story that that drove them and and called them and invited them and and gave them a why to worship because they were still there and here. They were still God's people and still under his care and still always be. Some of us in here have a hard time worshiping. Because we don't see a reason for joy, for celebration. Because some of us may have forgotten the story. And some of you don't know the story. 
Some of you have done so well for yourselves. You fooled yourself and living in something in a story that is not reality. But let me tell you, especially true reflected upon during this season, like the exiles in Nehemiah, you should not be here. We should not be here. We should not have made it. We should have destroyed ourselves or been destroyed. We should have been forgotten. We should have been crushed. We should have sold out or been sold out. We should be friendless. God should and righteously could have turned his back on some of you. We should not have seen December 18th. 2011 and should not see January 2012. You should not be here. Sin and brokenness and abuse outside and outside and inside of us should have taken us out. Death and condemnation should have had the final word on us. Not only should we not be here more so, you should not be here as good as you are here right now. The divorce should have done you in. The addiction should have made you lose everything. The economy should have you jumping out the window having taken too many pills one day. Your depression should have alienated you from everyone. That abusive situation should have killed your soul. That lack of mama or daddy thing in your life should have greater effects on you. Some of you should be in jail or dead somewhere. Some of you should have flunked out or got caught when you were cheating but you got away. Your children should be completely lost to some of you. That sickness should have been it. Your marriages should not be here like they are. You really should not be eating today like you eat. Like the popular gospel song, you never would have made it without the Lord. It's time to hear the book of the law and hear God speaking to you. You should still be trapped in a fantasy and idol worship, stuck being a pure fool. But most importantly for you Christians, you should not in and of yourselves be able to call yourself children of God. Here's the kicker. Not only are and were all those things true about people in this room, but they will be and can be true because of the story of God's mercy. That whatever we could ever do to ourselves and have done to us will not separate us from the life and love of God. It did not happen, it does not happen, and it will not happen. And that is the story. That is your story. Jesus came to this earth to start a party, to open the book, to be that open book, to be the explanation made plain to us that God has not forgotten us. He was God's party gatherer and reason for the season, a season of party to, to create a group or, or party of people gathered in community around him to love each other and, and support each other and worship and enjoy God forever. And here is the story. 
Jesus was born in a manger to a virgin. And as God come in the flesh, he came looking for those of us needy for a savior. And he gave all the substances necessary to lift us out of our sin. When he died on the cross, the Bible says his blood poured like wine and his body torn like bread. And the angels sang a song at his resurrection that the earth vibrated in his victory over sin and a broken world. And through it, we know him as Lord and he knows us as his people. And all that we have vibrates and should sing and pour and cook with elevated heavenly joy that we have been redeemed. And this story of God's love for sinners through Jesus Christ should mean that every day is a holiday. Because every day the story is true. And every day because of Jesus, there is joy for our tears and yes for our no and food for our hunger and wine for our thirst and community for our loneliness, in Christ, because of Christ. There is a party for our soul.